Hi, everyone. I'm Doug Flutie, and welcome back to the Flutie Flakes cast. Thanks for listening in. My guest this week, Mark Tressman. Mark Tressman, a head coach both in the CFL and the NFL, guy that's won three great cups up there. So we've got some common ground to talk about a little bit and have some fun, talk quarterbacks. He is a quarterback guru, a guy that was a quarterback coach a lot of his career, most of his career. This weekend, NFL stuff. But first, the Boston Red Sox knocking the cover off the ball. Yes, I'm wearing my Red Sox hat. Yes, I'm a Boston guy. Yes, I'm a homer. So what? Love watching my Red Sox play. And this is a group that I didn't know well. I did not know well until like late in the season, get, getting a feel for these guys. And sure enough, the Red Sox were off and running and hammering the ball again. So it's a lot of fun for me to watch. Having a blast. Going to watch them again and see if they can finish this thing off. Uh, over the weekend, NFL games, that uh, things that happened that were interesting. Number one, Baker Mayfield completed a Hail Mary. And he's scrambling around. And the one thing you cannot let a quarterback do on a Hail Mary pass is hang on to the football for a long period of time. Because what it does is creates a complete jump ball situation. No advantage for the defense down there in the end zone anymore because everybody's uh, got their feet under him and going up for the ball. And sure enough, they come up with the ball. Although he did get banged up. He's got a shoulder injury. That's going to be interesting to keep an eye on down the road. The other guy that I'd love to give a shout out to is Kyler Murray. Now 6-0, wheeling and dealing. This is a guy that's smaller than me. Kyler running all over the field, making plays. He's, you know, the one thing I always say about small athletic quarterbacks that have a lot of success in college, the thing that translates, the thing that they need in order to translate to an NFL quarterback is the arm strength, and he has it. He has the ability to throw the ball from any arm angle and has a strong arm, can put the ball down the field and make plays. So I'm really happy for Kyler, considering I told his mother to tell him to go play baseball and stay out of this stupid game. But – Sure enough, he's lighting it up and getting it done. Monday night football, Bills and Titans. Really cool to see. Josh Allen's playing great. Really tough decision on fourth and one. They decide to go for it and go for the win. I love it. I love the idea of having trust in your offense, trust in your team, put the ball in your quarterback's hands. He's had more quarterback uh, sneaks for first downs than anyone since he's been playing. He had bad footing. His feet slide out from him. He doesn't get the push, falls short. And it was the effort he made on third down, diving up and over, trying to get the first down inside the 10 there and came up just short on that, that I think convinces your head coach McDermott to say, hey, go get it. Let's get this thing on fourth down, come up short and the uh, Titans win the ball game. Now, why did the Titans win the ball game? Derrick Henry. Unbelievable. What a performance. I, I start to say you lose sight of how big he is because of how fast he can run. Uh, he has a 76-yard touchdown where he just pulls away from everyone and takes off. Uh, a lot of those big, strong, uh, broad-shouldered guys don't appear to be moving as fast as they are. I guess they clocked him at 21 or 22 miles an hour. You know, I go back to Herschel Walker days. Herschel always was a little bit upright and stiff in the upper body and didn't appear to be moving as fast as he did. Herschel was a world-class sprinter. Eric Dickinson, upright, big guy, standing up. You know, but he was a lot more graceful than these two. These two, uh, these two were powerhouse guys. And Derrick Henry carrying the ball 20 times for 143 yards. That's interesting because that seems like a lot in this day and age in the NFL. Uh, it's a pass-happy league. The rules lend themselves to throwing the football all over the field. And yet, here's a guy carrying the ball 20 times. Back in Herschel's day, 30 carries was not a big deal. 30, it was always, Franco Harris used to talk about 
give me the ball late in the game. You know, it's wear down this defense, carry it 35. They got stronger as the game went. And I believe Derrick Henry has that in him too. Like if you gave him the ball 30 times, those last five to 10 carries are where he's going to make the bulk of his yards and wear down that defense. And maybe things are cyclical in the NFL. I don't know. Because of the rules, because of uh, the protecting of the quarterbacks, because of some of the interference calls, you're seeing, you know, the 400 yard passing days, the aired out, the five touchdown passes and, and all that. Uh, so what happens defensively, you get lighter, you start playing more nickel, you start playing a uh, lighter, faster outside linebacker uh, safeties that are better cover guys, all those types of things. And you worry about your pass rush. So your pass rushers are the elite uh, athletic defensive ends. Maybe the game rotates back, you know, over time, it's going to rotate back to having some big guys, the fullback position, you, the fullback position has become the big tight end that can run, that can motion into the backfield and become a fullback. So what happens is you can, you can get your tight ends on the field, force the defense to put some cover guys on the field, motion the tight end back in the backfield, have a, a strong blocker for your tailback. Now you got a guy like Derrick Henry and you've got big, big guys that can run the football. So maybe, maybe, if defenses continue to go lighter, faster, quicker, uh, this game rotates back to uh, hammering the football a little bit. And I think if you talk to Derek, I don't know, if you talk to his agent, he doesn't want him carrying the ball 30 times a game. I'd love to see what would happen if there was a game where Derrick Henry could carry the ball 30, 35 times and, and go back to some of that old school, get after it, run the football down people's throat. Mike Tirico and I did the Notre Dame games together for a handful of years. In college football, all the spread offenses, it's all no huddle. It's hurry up, call it from the line, look to the sideline, get the signal, signal it in. The kids flying around, you know, a lot of zone read type of stuff or wide receiver screens. And it's finesse. It was often, and it, it drove Chirico nuts. Mike and I would talk about it after. He's like, I want some old fashioned football. I want some old smash mouth. The Miami Dolphins had three 1,000 yard rushers in a season. That's old school football. So maybe, maybe someday we'll get back to it. Maybe we'll see a tight end and a fullback on the field and, and three big linebackers up in there. So just, it was fun for me to watch Derrick Henry carry the football run through. And a lot of times defenses are gap oriented. What you do on defense is you leverage the man. You're responsible for a certain gap in, in most defenses. So you take on a block with an inside shoulder and you keep the outside arm free or the opposite. You can take on with the inside or outside shoulder and keep the inside arm free. So you keep an arm free and that is your gap. You, even though you, it always looks like you're just, these guys are just trying to beat the guy in front of them. They have a leverage. They have a gap. They are responsible for the offensive lineman is engaged with a defensive lineman. Even if he has that arm free out there and Derrick Henry has the ball running downhill through that hole, that free arm is not going to stop a Derrick Henry. And that's kind of what happens a lot of times with him is he, he has a little bit of a crease. People can be in the right position. He runs through that arm tackle or that reach and gets to the second level. And I do not want to be a defensive back running up to meet Derrick Henry in the open field. The other aspect of this uh, weekend was seeing Dallas go to New England, uh, I'll tell you, I still love the way Mac Jones is playing football. Mac Jones is throwing a football like he is a veteran quarterback. He really 
uh, has a lot on his shoulders with that New England team, and I think he's played exceptionally well. But what comes out of that game is a, is a road win for Dallas. Going on the road, Dak Prescott being himself, throwing the ball around. They made mistakes early, recover from them. Uh, I really don't think New England's a great football team you know, or, or, or a top-level team. So you don't want to make too big a deal out of Dallas beating them, but it's a good road win a situation where they, they win it in OT, get the touchdown. Dak continues to put up MVP type of numbers and look like a stud. And this is a Dallas team that I believe will be playing Tampa down the road to try to get to the Super Bowl. Dak uh, Prescott is going to have to put up those kind of numbers on a consistent basis and, and score points to win. The one loss they have, the only loss they have is to Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. And they probably should have won that ball game too. So it's going to be fun. Those are the two top teams in the NFC. Those are the two teams that are going to be fun to watch. Tom's still doing his thing on the weekend every week. Like he's 25 years old, maybe like 28 years old. 25 is kind of young. You still make, make mistakes. Tom is a novelty. He's unbelievable. I just, you know, can't get enough of Tom Brady. And remember, you can get the Flutie Flakes cast on Apple, Pandora, and Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast and make sure to rate and review. My guest this week, Mark Tressman. Journeyman head coach, coached up in Canada uh, with Montreal, with Toronto, won Grey Cups, uh, Chicago Bears head coach, quarterback coach throughout his career. Be a lot of fun to talk quarterbacks with Mark Tressman. Well, I want to welcome my guest, Mark Tressman. Mark uh, was, shoot, won a couple of Grey Cups in three total CFL head coach, also Chicago Bears head coach, quarterback coach throughout his career. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me, Mark. And what you got going on lately? Uh, right now, I've been down at the University of Miami teaching a leadership course at the law school. And uh, we got a, a heck of a podcast working. It's called uh, Leadership Game Plan. I just put uh, Brandon Marshall up yesterday, and he's it's a compelling podcast. We had to do it in two parts, talking about... Uh, you know, mental fitness, talking about leadership. Brandon's awesome if you've crossed paths with him and had Nick Nurse on, uh, Thomas Friedman. So we had some really interesting guests. Amy Trask was on, uh, did her yesterday, actually. She's awesome. So it's been a lot of fun doing both and, you know, just helping young people get a little better. Yeah, you talk about leadership and you talk about, you know, being a quarterback coach all your life. What are some of those leadership qualities you see in quarterbacks that are kind of unique or, or certain guys that, you just say, okay, this guy's got it or something to him. What are some of those qualities? That stand yeah. Out? I mean, we could, we could start with, you know, the Doug Fluties, but I think self-awareness is huge. Being able to uh, stay present is huge. I think humility has always been big understanding that the team is bigger and there's a selflessness to the position that you well know that, you know, you can't be thrown to your best guy. You got to be thrown to the guy who's open and do what's best for the team uh, self-regulation is so huge, you know, being able to control your emotions during the course of a game uh, to be handled, you know, football, as you know, is a zero sum game. You win on or lose on every play and you got to come back from either adversity or success and play the next play. So uh, I think you got to, you know, have this kind of self-regulated amnesia and it just goes on and on, you know, self-awareness. You got to be authentic. You got to be consistent and uh, there's no right or wrong answer to what that takes, but, you know, to be able to handle success and adversity, not just week to week, but day to day, the press, the noise, high maintenance players, the divas, all those things that go into and then and then being the first guy in and first guy out, you know, and 
making sure everybody not only in the locker room knows that the team's the most important thing to you, but the preparation is and the ticket office matters and the community service matters. So it's the greatest position, you know, in all of sports, as you know, um, I think uh, you followed it like I have for over 50 years and we've never seen quarterback liking like, like we have really in 2021 where there's probably 27 quarterbacks that when a defensive coordinator goes to work, you know, the players come in, they have hope. They know that this guy, you know, can, can lead us in the last two minutes and get us in field goal range. So somebody can win the game in the last two minutes, because that's essentially what the NFL has been this year. And it's, it's so exciting to watch and every quarterback's got a, a little nuance, a little bit different, but uh, they're all special. And, and I think a lot of them have those components. Yeah. You brought up a point of uh, the, what was it? Self-regulating amnesia. I love that phrase. Uh, the, the adversity that you face as a quarterback, you, you get hit, you turn the ball over, you fumble something, you throw a bad pick. The ability to bounce back from that, because, and everyone's been there in life where things are going in the wrong direction and how you turn it around. Are there some tricks to turning that around? Because, I mean, sometimes it's like that snowball coming downhill on you and you just can't put the brakes on. But to stem adversity or to stem that momentum that's that's building are there there any tricks or things that you talk to quarterbacks about well i think that uh, you know i do it kind of in my my mission statement is because football is a zero-sum game and that means in practice you're going to win or lose on every play you know, one or the other you got to overcome it it's it's to embrace adversity you say man i learned from this um i'm going to get better because of it i'm going to come back stronger because of it and you know that you know the, a quarterback's playing at the highest level, they're a unique animal. You know, I think quarterbacks, you know, aren't born, they're developed, but they're developed fundamentally. They're developed with techniques and skill sets and footwork and, and, and drops and reads and progressions. But there is a nuance to quarterbacks that they just have this incredible ability to take this complex game and simplify it and just have fun with it some more than others. But I think you're seeing, you know, more and more, golfers, quarterbacks talk about just staying present. You know, you can't do anything about the last play and you can't worry about what's going to happen in the fourth quarter. It's third down in the second quarter. And this is the most important play of the game. And to be able to embrace that and have fun with that and exert that confidence because everybody is looking at your demeanor, you know, all the time, right. Uh, during the play on the sideline between, you know, between series, after the game at the press conference, I mean, you are under a microscope more than ever now because of social media and, and the extent of the people that football grab now, just not in your hometown, but all around the world. I, I think Becky say, you know, they're watching your demeanor. And how, now I played my best football when I was just having fun. I was just out there loose, relaxed, having fun. And, and you're, your mind speeds up. You're, you're, you're thinking, you're seeing everything. It just, it, it happens. Uh, you see about demeanor though. I, I, the first thing that entered my mind was my rookie year in the NFL. I was in Chicago. McMahon had had uh, shoulder surgery. He was out. I gotten tossed into a situation where I was there for a couple of weeks and I'm playing and their offense was evens left odd rights, which, which is ridiculous. Nobody, and I'm thinking at every heartbeat, I, I just trying to call play in the huddle. I'm reading stuff off a of wristband. And I just think of what my body language must have looked like to the guys on that team at that time. Well, it's interesting you say that because I was in Minnesota. I was with the Vikings my first year and Jerry Burns, who you 
probably remember as the coordinator for the Vikings for 25 years, odd was to the right and even was to the left. And I was 27 years old going home every night, calling my mom and saying, I'll never be able to coach in the National Football League. I can't. The plays don't make any sense. We're calling it this way because that's what Chuck Foreman wanted it to be. And they go back. That goes back to Landry. That goes back to Landry in Dallas wanting to be different. All right, Tom Landry. And so Dicka played for Landry as a tight end and he brought it to Chicago. Now, people out there, everybody that's ever played football, evens are right, odds are left. That's just the way it goes. We're playing a game in Dallas and I got a lot. Now, like I said, I've been I've been there a couple of weeks and it's an all out blitz. And I know my audible. I know what I'm going to. I, I checked it. It's sprint out 18 or 19. I just did it with my hands. 18's right, 19 left, right? Even No, it's the other way around. I check 18. I sprint right. Everyone's blocking sprint and left, and it becomes a fire drill and all. It just – It's uh, a naked, and you probably scored a touchdown. After. <laughs> a lot of times, yeah, if I go the wrong way, it turns out – it's probably better because I become instinctive. It just um, – Never became instinctive for me there. It was an out. You're, you're right. It's about having fun. And I think that's what, you know, you hear the golfers say, oh, I just had fun out there today. And that's what it's supposed to be. But we have this ego, this thing, this voice in our head that says, what are they going to think of me? You know, I got to do it all myself. Um, all these little voices in your head that are predicting the future or thinking about how it's going to be perceived later, instead of just saying, this is the greatest thing in the world. I get to play the next play. And I'm gonna. I prepared for this. I worked all week. We practiced it, and uh, and the, the this is this is we, we're gonna embrace it, and we're gonna make something good happen on this play because it's the only play there ever is or ever will be until the next play. And that's something that that will never change. That one play to time mentality of uh, I don't think people really now. Sometimes coaches have to think ahead to the next you know situation or play, and you're you're you know whatever could be third and three, could be third and long. What am I going to call next? All that. So there's a little bit of prep for what might come next. But as a player. Yeah, that's another person's job to, you know, see where we're going, you know, and uh, and in our job or your job is to control what you control. And that is just this moment in this play. Let's go back to CFL days. It's uh, I, I have so many fond memories. I had a chance to come up and, and spend a little time with you and the team one one year, about five years ago. Uh up in Toronto. Uh, what are some of your fondest memories from your CFL? Well, I think that, you know, like, like we all say, it's, it's, we won a lot of games. I mean, I had the privilege of coaching Anthony Calvillo, who, you know, I would call the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game that, that nobody has ever heard of. You know, if Anthony, and you know, Anthony, if Anthony would have been in the NFL playing for Bill Walsh, he might be in the hall of fame today. Who knows? Because he was as accurate, tough, all the greats, Leaders are great quarterbacks are accurate, as you well know. It's probably in the top three of what makes a great quarterback. Um, gifted, all about team. But it was really the players, like it is every locker room, because I never looked at the CFL as being different than the NFL. I, I love the players. The league was more of a family, um, as you well know, because it was a smaller, intimate league. The game is as good a game as there is. In some ways, it's a better game than the NFL. It's a uniquely intelligently put together game, but it's still the people, the friendships, living in Montreal for five years, living in Toronto, getting to know the people, getting to know, you know, the culture and things like that. But a terrific game. Obviously, we were able to win a lot of games and do a lot of great things, but it was really about the coaches and the players and the 
relationships that you have by being it. But the game is special up there, as you well know, and you took advantage of it in your career. And, you know, what we did in, in Canada in five years is just what we're seeing in the NFL today. It's the same game. I was going to go there. Uh, that That's what amazes me is even, even as simple as saying the two-point conversion, right? We had the two-point conversion up there forever. The spread offenses, the airing it out, the, it, it was almost a controlled passing game uh, with space, put people in space. And you see this transition to the NFL of all the things that we were doing up there. You know, I was just doing a little bit on talking about how the game's changed down here and, and throwing the football so much in that uh, Derrick Henry carried the ball 20 times the other night for, for big yards. And, and it's a novelty. What are some of the things you've seen transition? Well, I think that um, it's throwing the ball first. I think you know, defensive coordinators now have to stop the pass before they stop the run. This Just spreading people out. You know, teams are still under center, two tight ends with a slot backside. And, they, and, and we did that. We lost a bunch of receivers in the CFL. We're able to just transition to, to bringing more tight ends and bigger people. But I think it's, I think it's the jet sweeps. I think it's the tosses off the ghosts, um, the motions and move. There's a lot more motion and movement now. You, you know, when I got in the NFL, it might have been tight end cross motion or slot motion. And now we're seeing all kinds of shifts and motions and things like that. And oddball sets, you know, four by one in the NFL, a bunch with, you know, a wide receiver wide or a back wide for a coverage declaration. You're seeing more of that, more empty. Um, when I was in Oakland back in, 2002, we were, we had probably 110 snaps of empty, which is about one fifth, you know, and probably, you know, people start series now there and the first play of the game is empty gun that that's new. You know, I mean, it's, it's new in the last few years where you're not starting under center running a naked, or you're not starting under center necessarily with a play action pass, hard action, eight man protection, but you're in empty and you're, you know, you're throwing it eight, nine times in a row. And, in 02, we started the AFC Championship game. We threw it 27 to 29 times, which was a little unique for the time. But that translated to the CFL when I got there as well, that we're going to throw the ball 70% of the time. And you have only three downs and two downs to get a first down. But um, it's a great league. And a lot of that league is is college. And I've talked to coaches in the NFL, and they've said over the years where, where they've really gone is to college football and, and taking college football and, and use it in the NFL, which is wh- where the creativity has come. There's just more teams in college, more, more people coaching, more, more creativity. There's just more quantity of coaches. So there's going to be more creativity along the way. Yeah. Because of the willingness to throw the football as much as they are, I, I believe the creativity is they're a lot less hesitant to try things, to do things. i my, my theory was always the team that ran their trick play first wins because they're loose and relaxed. Sure. This past weekend, uh, one of the two-point conversions was the oh, the Philadelphia play where it's a reverse and throw back to the quarterback, and he's, he's in there for a two-point conversion, stuff like that that they're willing to do. And a play that's become very popular on the goal line is kind of a ghost jet sweep with a shovel pass inside. Yeah, uh, you did it in, in the Chicago game this week, and the uh, same thing was the shovel pass where I, I just reviewed the play where the end had the quarterback, the backer, had had the uh, the back and the guard pulled. There was nobody there, and the the tight end scored or the receiver scored. So you're exactly right. I mean, that's a play that that pinball in in Toronto. He and I started developing. I mean, we we ran the option out of gun. Sure. 
And then I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if we ran the option? And then I actually ran it as a shovel pass inside. So we bring the backside slot in for the shovel pass. So we, and just all these things. And I, I, I've talked about this a number of times. On, uh, I don't know if you ever played or coached against Damon Allen. Was Damon still in the it's league? Not. He was not. But Damon, I give him full credit for starting a lot of that stuff with the zone read, especially being in the CFL. We ran a lot of our run game out of the gun and he would read that backside defensive end crashing and pull the ball on his own and run a naked bootleg. And then we stem from there and we add it to it and, and continue. PO has really started in camp. I mean, we ran our POs for five years, pull the ball, run the run the option routes to, you know, Ben Cahoon, as you know, one of the great receivers in CFL history and, and I think the one thing you bring up, which is really important, is is there's not a it's not the creativity, it's the research and development by the coaching staffs. Like I give Andy Reid a lot of credit. He's not running. People think it's creative. It's not creative. It's great research and development of his staff going back, looking at football all over the country and the history of football, and saying, "Let's pull this one up this week, and let's just make it our own." Because like you said, Damon Allen was involved in creating the NFL today. You know, the, the, everything is interconnected through history. And that's just one of the examples. was very fortunate in college to have Tom Coughlin as my offensive coordinator. He helped build discipline. I mean, but he used that phrase all it's, I'd walk in on him watching film. I go, what do you research? Research. He's looking at plays, looking at plays from other. We're, we're none of us are so proud that we can't steal plays from someone else and make them work. We, I have, I've had like Warren Moon on. I've had a bunch of the older quarterbacks too. And we talk about old locker rooms and old situations. Like my first pro game, I came in the locker room. We had eight guys smoking cigarettes in the back corner. <laughs> you know, all that. What are some of your memories? As far, well, first of all, how about the cold weather game? What's your worst cold weather game? Um, well, we had, a, we had a bunch of them. And it was Dallas actually in 13 in Chicago. It, uh, it was a Thursday night or a Sunday night game. And it was literally uh, 60 below. And, you know, T-Med, the trainer, I mean, the equipment guy. I mean, I was he had to give me chicken soup basically between series because my mouth was literally frozen. Uh, it was that cold. That's probably the coldest, even though, you know, in Minnesota and other places it's been cold. That's that's my coldest memory. How about you? Uh, well, I, I talk about a game I had in Calgary that was minus 24 kickoff and minus 44 by the end of the game with a minus 85 wind chill. It was the most ridiculous game I've ever played. I used to, when I played that one year in Chicago and I had to walk the dog at night and there was a bank across the street. And every night it was like minus four, minus eight, the winds howling. I just, there's not a lot of cold weather cities that are going to have terrible conditions, I guess. I was going to say with the spread offenses, is that going to dictate in the NFL down the wire? You know, usually teams that run the ball well, we saw Derek Henry hammering the ball the other night. It was always those teams that were built for cold weather. Yeah. Do you believe in that? Yeah. You know, I think it's a great question. And I, I don't know that I have, you know, one answer to that. It's always good to be able to run the ball, you know, and have a run mentality. Um, and teams still do. You can see it. I mean, Cleveland does. Um, you know, they're, they're, no, they've got some injuries right now, but they're, they're, they're that kind of team. You know, it'll be interesting to watch Buffalo. The thing they have in Buffalo, they have a quarterback who's so strong physically and whose, whose arm talent is so big, cold weather doesn't seem to bother players as much anymore for some reason. I mean, they're all in short sleeves now. Um, back in the day, everybody was, you know, a little more bundled up, and now it's kind of 
it just seems different now. So I, I don't, I don't know if I have a real answer for that, but I'm sure there's plenty of proponents of, you know, when it, when it gets windy in Buffalo and we've got to go play the AFC championship game there, we got to be able to run the ball, you know, for two reasons, number one, because of the weather, but number two is we got to keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hand. Seeing Kyler Murray do well, gives me a little bit of hope because uh, I love seeing the little guy do well. That I thought for me was always the cold weather for the small guy with the hands and taking snap. I hate my worst part was taking snap from center. I was paranoid about that. Once I had it in my hand, I was fine. And then I learned to throw with a, a glove on, not for warmth, but for grip. And that was that I thought became a big deal for me towards the end of my career. Um, I love Kyler Murray. I mean, I just, oh. you know, the, you have to give, you know, Cliff a lot of credit and, and Stephen Kime a lot of credit. They built their defense um, they run a very simple offense. They have two good running backs now. One was injured this week. But Kyler Murray, he can drop back and, and throw it with anybody in the league. And the way he extends plays with accuracy to his left or the right, I, I know how much you appreciate that. But he can stay in the pocket and make the plays. It's just really impressive to watch their team. And they play probably faster than any team in the league right now. The impressive thing, number one, about smaller quarterbacks, I, I said it uh, in my little monologue before we went on, was the ability to throw the ball down the field. You know, a lot of small guys are these really successful college quarterbacks, but the arm strength isn't there for the NFL level. You know, to make the throws they have to make from the pocket. And Kyler Murray can. Everything. Everything. You know, the arm, you know, the size. I mean, you, you look back and, you know, before you, there was Fran Tarkenton. When I worked out and signed uh, Russell Wilson at NC State, and when I worked him out, I gave him a first-round arm talent grade and a first-round charisma grade, but I gave him a third-round overall grade only because of his height. And uh, But otherwise, he was a first-round talent. And now it's a little more – I mean, th there's so much more open to – size not being the fact because you got to throw through lanes anyways whether you're and you've done that you did it your whole career just finding lanes to to throw the football and and making plays so you know I think that's just opened the door for uh, more opportunity and more hope for for young people who have the gifts of a Kyler Murray or a, a Russell Wilson and with so much shotgun now and this is something I always said was the depth get me away from the line of scrimmage the the more depth I had the better my vision was if I took the snap from under center, took a hard five-step drop and was throwing a timing route, that's when it could look like you're throwing out of a well. I forget which game it was, but I, I, I said, you know, I was in the room with a bunch of people, saw the play happening. And I go, the reason that happened was he got so deep. He took the most undisciplined drop in the world. He shuffled like nine steps and then brought people upfield, got up underneath, moved around, made a play up the field. You know, I, I, I struggled sometimes – I always did those kind of things instinctively. I struggled sometimes with the coaches that because in the short passing game, you have to be disciplined, right? You got to have that timing and the three-step drop and the fives and, and all that. Um, but the game's changing. It's getting more, much more open to these guys moving around. I just was talking about Dallas and Tampa doing, you know, for the NFC. Uh, what do you see out of the AFC or the athletic quarterbacks? Yeah, or? I, I think that, you know, you just, just to um, digress on the point you made about, you know, quarterbacks and, and the game, you know, I think Andy Reid and, and uh, Mike Kafka, Eric Bieniemy, really deserve a lot of credit. And, and I think you can relate to this. There's a nuance to coaching Pat Mahomes. You know, he's – I mean, if, if you just give him structure and force him to stay in structure all the time, you don't get the plays. And, and as a coach, you've been in these meeting rooms. It's hard as a coach. I mean, 
You know, I would much, you know, Justin Herbert, I want to coach him because I, I, he'll come into a meeting and I'll say it's, it's a big three, no hitch plan and throw. It's the quickest three. It's three big. And he's going to do it exactly like it's supposed to look. And he's going to go curl or flat with a hitch, reset to the sit, finish with the wide, and then he's going to run. You know what I'm saying? You can't coach yeah. Patrick Mahomes like that. There's a nuance to that. And they've been able to corral him. He takes care of the football overall, you know, and um, he's a pleasure to watch. But when, when, if you're actually in the room and nobody's listening, you're going, man, how are we going to do that? You know, how do we do that? <laughs> I'm sure that's gone on over the last three years and say, he made the play. Let's go on to the next right. play. All he's doing is telling us how great a coaches we are. And we are because we're allowing this nuance. To, I mean, it's Russell Wilson, you know, it's Kyler Murray, you know, it's Tannehill, it's Josh Allen, it's, 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 it's Hurts, it's go on and on and on. It's all over, you know, and then it, there's, there's, there's Mac Jones, right? Who, as I said, Josh McDaniel and Bill Belichick got exactly the quarterback that, that was, that played at Alabama. There's no difference. He's the same guy. They got the guy they wanted so they could robotize him. And he's a hell of a quarterback. He's a great leader. He manages the game beautifully before the snap. He's very, very accurate. And he's tough as hell. That's who he was. And very seldom do you get the quarterback who was in college to come in in his first year and be the same guy. That's who Mac Jones is. And I give credit to Josh McDaniels. Now they're extending the field with him. They're growing him and they're doing more with him. So there's a lot, like I said, it's such an exciting league because as, as you know, as lovers of quarterbacks, you can go around the league and talk about all these guys. And they're all, other than a few teams that are really struggling, most teams have a quarterback that is re really fun to talk about and can win for you. Yeah, I, and it's really cool to see. And I saw that week one with Mac Jones was his percentages, his his discipline and his reads and coming down, checking. The ball. And as you said, the one challenge they've had in New England is get the ball up the field. And they're starting to do that, yeah. starting to stretch the field. And then you got the other side with Zach Wilson, who, you know, you talked about it in the first few games. Zach Wilson was taking five steps out of the gun and he was going 12 yards deep and he was out dropping his protection and he was reckless with the football, just like Lawrence was completely reckless and careless with the football, which is, but coordinators were putting the game in their hands. And, and now they're, they're, they're a little more mindful of that. And you see the growth of Lawrence and, and Zach Wilson just doesn't have as much around it. Um, even though his protection is getting better. That was a problem I had with a lot of, it, I would drift, I would get as deep as I could sometimes and put pressure on that tackle. But it was because I was trying to create an angle to make that throw to the outside or drop, you know, and it was things I did instinctively that I didn't realize why I was doing it. I would, I would just naturally do it. And I think that's what you see in Mahomes. And the one thing he does, you go all out blitz on defense, you get your overload blitz, you get your free rusher, right? The ball's got to come out. No, it doesn't. He drifts away, fades, and something that Aaron Rodgers does very well, fading away, buys himself an extra half second to second. Not, not that he's leaving the pocket and taking off. He's just giving a little fade here and buying a few steps. Now he's throwing a corner route. Now he's throwing a true post. He's, you know, now the DBs have to cover for more than a second and a half. They actually have to cover a receiver, and the big play's happening down the field. That's football intelligence. He knows where the free people are coming from, and he's just going to buy time. And that, 
that's just, we all know that without that kind of understanding of protection first and where that free player, that plus one player is coming from, you know, that's what you see on tape is there's some guys know where the plus one guys, there's other guys that don't. And if you don't know that, you know, you're going to, you're going to take a hit on that shoulder, you know, at some point in time. This makes me feel like a quarterback again. All right, we start talking X and O's. You we start are. talking little nuances. <laughs> and remember, you have the elite athleticism that that really is Zach Wilson, who's a he's a good athlete, but not the elite athleticism to overcome the things you know that you did as as a player throughout your career. Oh, thank you so much, Mark. Well, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for taking, I could, I could talk X and O stuff all day and we'd probably lose half the audience, but uh, it's so <laughs> much fun. It's like, who's got the chocolate? We got the grease board. We got the chocolate. We're going to uh, wish you all the best uh, with your leadership uh, marketing or meetings or whatever, however yeah. you want to phrase that. Well, it's uh, been a bucket list for me to be on with you, uh, Doug. It's uh, it. Uh, and I, and I did appreciate you coming to our team in 17 and you, you led us to a great cup. So, uh, Oh, that was, was that the great cup in the snow? in Hamilton or Ottawa in Ottawa you were there yes that was the great cup in Ottawa yes that was fun that was a that was a wild ending really that was a (laughs) you were you took the side of Calgary I know you did but I'm not holding it against you Ah, yeah I I was during the game I was very neutral during the game I was just having fun people in this game Calgary's going down to win the game in the snow, in the mess, all they, they throw a wide receiver screen, little hit screen to the outside, drive receiver gets tackled, fumbles, Toronto picks it up, runs it back, 100 yards for a touchdown. Then Calgary has one more shot, comes down the field, gets in the field goal. What, the field goal would have tied? Yeah, we kicked a field goal, and uh, I think a field goal would have tied or won it. I'm not sure. But they needed a field goal to tie. I think it was to tie. Yeah, a field goal to tie, took a shot at the end zone through a go route, a big interception in the end zone for Toronto. My question was this. I saw the interception happen. He runs out of the end zone and throws the ball in the air. Did the ball go out of but did he run out of bounds and end the game? I don't know. I, I want I still want to watch the end of that clip because it's it's the last play of the game. It winds up being the last play of the game as the clock runs out. And I want to know if he just thought the game was over and the ball's free on the field somewhere or if he threw it out of bounds, ran out of bounds. We had a victory snap. But anyways, uh, you were there and and uh, and you got us all started. So so we're grateful. And, you know, if if I can leave anything is the CFL is a great league. You know, it's a great league and uh, more people should should take a look at the game. And, you know, the, the NFL has grabbed a lot of the young people out of the out of Canada, you know, to watch the NFL and they've gotten away from the CFL and it's just, just a great game. And I, and I hope it, it can continue to prosper and be around for another 140 years because it was good to both of us. Um, it's, it's a lot, a lot of young players and a lot of young people, uh, you know, from, from the United States to go up play and have careers and really extend and play the game that they love. So I, I'm hopeful that the league will get stronger. And I, I just to send a message out to the young players out there that, that maybe they don't get drafted. Maybe they're not a free agent sign. It's a great alternative. I loved it. I I enjoyed my days in the CFL more than I enjoyed my NFL days. There's no doubt about it. And it was it's a great game, uh, especially wide receivers, defensive backs, you know, the skill position guys that can fly around. It's great for the developing your game. And I loved every minute of it up in the CFL. If you're a young player and you go up there and you're not entitled that you think you're better because it's in Canada, because I always found that if players and, and coaches, if they come up entitled, and look down at the league, they never last. But if you use it as an opportunity to grow and play the game you love and coach the game you love, it's, it's a heck of a place to, uh, uh, to, to spend six months a year. 
Agreed. Well, thanks so much, Mark. Thanks for joining me. Okay, Doug. My pleasure. It's a privilege. Thank you. Well, I want to thank Mark Trustman for joining me. And it's always fun for me, obviously, to talk CFL stuff. I don't know. Maybe I get a little carried away with that. But um, those days were special to me and obviously special to Mark. And uh, it was really fun to talk a little bit of coaches. You know, he, he, he tapped into what some of the coaches are doing around the NFL and really kind of unique for our podcast, which is really cool for us. Uh, let's get to the Twitter questions, Tom, and see what uh, people are asking out there. Well, speaking of coaches, and one team that didn't have their coach this past week was the Arizona Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury, who was out with COVID. Team, though, did beat the Browns. They moved on to 6-0. and One of the questions this week, uh, hard to pick against the Cardinals at this point. Beat the, the Rams handily on the road. What do you think about Arizona? I love Arizona. Right now, they're well, obviously at 6-0. and you got to give them the number one spot. I, I do think Dallas is improving, uh, or Dallas is explosive, and, and that the one question mark with Dallas is their defense. But right now, Arizona, definitely the number one team in the league. And maybe I'm biased with Kyler Murray because of his size and the things he does and the athleticism. And I love watching him be successful. And I just hope it continues for him. Uh, one of the questions this week, Cowboys-Bills rematch in the Super Bowl. It'll be the third time in the Super Bowl. I, I, it's very possible. No doubt about it. It's very possible. I know the Bills lost uh, this week. But they've got all the components. They've got a great defense. They've got a guy, a quarterback that can make things happen and make every throw and, and weapons, the whole bit. You know, right now, I was going to say Dallas is probably a higher percentage to get there, but they're going to have to get past Tom Brady to do it. And they did lose the, to, the, to the Bucks in week one, uh, even though I felt Dallas outplayed the Bucks that week one. That's a fun part of it for me right now is to see this this Tampa Bay Dallas thing starting to line up over in the NFC. And I really do love the Bills this year and hope this is a you know, we're one third of the way there. We're one third of the season there. Staying healthy is so important. You know, it's yeah, you, know, you start projecting these numbers that guys are having this kind of a year. That staying healthy is an art in the NFL through 17, 18 weeks. At Doug Flutie, tweet your questions. One last one here, and this guy's looking to get to his second Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers. Having a little fun with uh, <laughs> Bears fans last week saying, I own you. He dropped a few <laughs> F-bombs and other words in there that I shouldn't say. But what did you think about that? I've, you know, I was never a, a trash talker. Uh, I do remember running, uh, having a long touchdown run meeting up with my receiver in the end zone. And he looks at me, he goes, that, that look way too. I go, no, it's too easy. We started like kind of carrying on in the end zone a little bit. And I think that's the one time I ever said anything. You know, you get emotional, you have fun. A lot of times fans are getting in your face and you just want to give it back. I worry about that stuff. And I think uh, Alex Cora kind of pulled his picture aside and said, hey, hey, tone, tone that down. We're all about winning this game. No showing anybody up. Those things have a, a way of coming back at you. Like three weeks later, you have a rough day. You know, you have a rough day and somebody brings it up and puts it back. You never want to give any ammunition. Number one for me was always the media. You don't want to give them that ammunition. But now with social media, all the fans have ammunition that when you stumble, they're going to pull it back out. That's the only reason I always kept, tried to keep my mouth shut. But you got to have fun. And, and, and there are some teams that you just know you're going to have a big day. It's like, this is a five touchdown pass day. I don't care what they do. We match up well. We're going to be protected, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then there's those teams that it's like, 
if we can just score 20 points today, I'll be happy. So it, it, it's true. There are teams that, that you walk out there and, uh, and you feel confident against. I just, I, I caution people to talk trash because everybody has a voice now. Always a lot of fun to answer the Twitter questions. Keep them coming. I want to know what you want to talk about. So, so fire them out there. Keep me, uh, you know, I always say that it brings up stories. It'll bring things up that, that make me think of a, a memorable moment or something. So just keep the questions coming. And remember, you can get the Flutie Flakes cast on Apple, Pandora, and Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And make sure to rate and review. The Flutie Flakes cast is a part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Tom Cress. The associate producers are Chris Tyler and Denny Gallagher. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. Thanks for listening to the Flutie Flakes cast and join us again next week. SiriusXM Podcasts.